Welcome to the Yellow Balloons podcast, a collection of teachings to help you navigate the transformational possibilities of a God-centered perspective. We pray these insights from Scripture will inspire and encourage you. In this episode, we begin to explore what the Bible says about the coming of the new Jerusalem. What does it mean for heaven and earth to pass away? And what will come in its place? As we answer this question, we will unpack how the New Jerusalem relates to the Bride of Christ. We will examine to the best of our ability the physical realities of the new heaven and the new earth. Finally, we wrap up by looking at the role of the temple in the newness to come and what all of this means for the present age. Well, today we're going to talk about... Uh, one of my favorite topics. Uh, I, I can't get enough of this topic. Um, I have a friend visiting, and uh, he had a great saying. I'll probably butcher it, but it was something to the effect of, uh, when we die, we'll all go to the heaven, but uh, it won't be the end of the world. <laughs> so let's go to Revelation chapter 21, and let's talk about the new earth. Now, it's interesting that as we ponder the new earth, it taught, in terms of what we are given as a culture, let's say, as a culture about where we go when we die, it's almost always talked about as heaven. Uh, and it's more of a mythology, really, than it is a biblical picture. Uh, we're always talked about go to heaven, and when, and when you get to heaven, who do you meet? You say St. Peter, yeah, and he's standing in front of pearly gates, and then you uh, walk the streets of gold, yes, okay, and um, all this is in heaven, right? Okay, well, there's there's an element of truth in all those things, but really, it's a really wrong picture for a lot of reasons. Uh, One of my favorite stories about this is uh, this, this guy is really wealthy. And he um, started begging God, I want to take my wealth to heaven with me. I want to be the one guy that can take it with me. And so he prayed and prayed and prayed and just struggled with God. And finally God said, okay, what do you want? I want to take my gold with me. Okay. So he gets to the pearly gates. He's got this big bag. And Peter says, what you got in the bag? And he says, God gave me permission to bring this. And he said, well, I've never seen this before. Let me see what's in there. And he opened up and he says, what do you want to bring pavement for? (laughs) Well, we're actually going to find out that even that story is a miss. So we're going to look at the new earth. Chapter 21 of Revelation. Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away had passed away. Let's look at passed away for a minute. Probably the most um, blatant uh, chap of passage I know about passing away is in 2 Peter. Let's flip over to 2 Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter chapter 3 verse 10. But the day of the Lord, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 10, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. 
Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? Now, this is pretty uh, startling, really. The heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt. Does anybody know what elements are? And he doesn't necessarily mean, mean the same thing we think of here in elements, but let's say he does. What are elements? Hydrogen, helium, carbon. Yeah, it's like the stuff everything's made out of, and it melts away. And you've got to ask yourself, well, what, what are the new building blocks? A very interesting question, don't you think? Legos, my son, my grandson Brady would say. Um, so we we have these uh, we have this picture that what we know now is going to be completely diminished and replaced with something new. So when we hear new, I'm making a new heaven and a new earth. It's certainly the possibility it's brand new. Uh, there is a strong uh, vein of thought that says that the words about uh, creating a new heaven and a new earth are actually uh, the root words and so forth are about recreating. So it could be that what we're talking about here is just like the potter's clay. Perhaps it's possible that as opposed to brand new building blocks, uh, it may be that you just take the, the clay and just melt it back down and remake a whole new thing. Whatever it is, the picture is very clear. It's not going to be like it is now. Now, it's very interesting here. There's two things that are made new in verse 1. What are they? A new heaven and a new earth. We're going to learn quite a bit about the new earth, although relative to what we know about our earth, what we learn about this earth is very, very... Uh, tiny, but we're told basically nothing about the new heaven. Uh, we're told that uh, the sun and the moon are not necessary. We're not really even told whether there is there is a sun and the moon, just that there is a new heaven. Uh, so that's just kind of left to, to uh, for us to find out. No, no, I'm just saying it says in verse one there's a new heaven. It doesn't. I'm just saying as we go through the passage, I can't find any description of what that is, what the new heaven is. Now, we know what we, we uh, see space exploration and shows about space, and most of what, what there is about space and the cosmos is speculation on our part because it's so big and so expansive. And here we are with a brand new heaven. We're told nothing about it. I, that's kind of exciting to me because I think that's... That's going to be something that'll be a, a probably a, a endless adventure to find out what this new heaven is about. So that's about all we know about the new heaven that there is one. But we are going to learn a little bit about the new earth. Also, there was no more sea. Now, this might be very uh, sad to some people because a lot of people love the ocean. Um, the sea, however, or the ocean in the Bible is always a picture of something bad. What is it a picture of? Chaos. Turmoil. Destruction. Unpredictability. So I don't think this is saying that there's no more water. As a matter of fact, I know it's not saying that because we're going to 
uh, encounter a river. And it is possible that the river flows down and then just evaporates and then recycles. Well, yeah. Well, we don't, we're not really told there's no sun or moon. We're told there's no need of a sun or moon. Okay? So, yeah. In Jewish thought, they say that the sea represents the nations. You know, it says, why did the nations rage? Kind of like the sea. Yeah. And so there's correlation between the two. Okay. Yeah, the nations represent the sea. And we're going to see the nations a lot in this. Okay? We're going to see the nations a lot. So it could well be that there's tons of water. It's just not chaotic. Okay? So if you're a huge water lover, don't despair. <laughs> there may well be water and fish and all sorts of things. What there's not going to be is uh, tsunamis okay, and chaos. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, this verse 2, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Okay, so John is writing this, and he sees the New Jerusalem, and what's, what's, what's the New Jerusalem? What's happening here? It's coming down out of heaven. So what does that tell us? It's tall. Pre-built. Prefab. Anybody a fan of prefab? What else? It's not heaven. Yeah, it's coming down out of heaven. It was somewhere... It, it may be if we went to heaven today, you could say, hey, show me where they're constructing the new Jerusalem. It may be behind a curtain, and they say, nope, can't see it. Surprise. I, I don't know. It could be that there's somewhere else. Yeah, that's right. It's on something other than It's possible. Okay. All we know is it's already built and it's coming down. What is it? The first heaven's passed away. First heaven's passed away. Yeah, first heaven's passed away. The and it's the Lamb's bride. Now, that's very interesting, isn't it? Because what do we think of as the bride of Christ? The church. Okay? And we see um, in verse 2, it says, as a bride. So this, this verse 2 here doesn't necessarily mean that the city is the bride, but as a bride, you know, that's adorned and walking down. But let's look at verse... Huh? Yeah, verse 9 says it outrightly. Yes. Let's look at verse 9. Um, then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls filled with the seven last plagues came to me and talked to me saying... Now, it's very interesting that he says, oh, I've seen this guy before. He was one of the plague guys. And now he's going to give me a tour of the New Jerusalem. That is an interesting job description, right? I'm the angel that plagues the earth and I have the New Jerusalem. So he, he says, come and I will show you the bride, the lamb's wife... And he carried me away in the spirit to a great high mountain and showed me the great city, the holy Jerusalem. Now, some very interesting things associated with this. Um, let's look also in 22.17. And the spirit and the bride say, come. Which is interesting. So, who is, who's, who's, who's the bride in this, in this passage? And the spirit and the bride say, come. Let him who thirst come. So we see bride actually three times in this passage. Let's go back and look at this Ephesians 5.32. Let's start in 30. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother, be joined to his wife. The two shall become one flesh. This is a quote of Genesis. This is a great mystery. 
but I speak concerning Christ and the church. So, what we usually take from this is that uh, Jesus, that a husband and wife becoming one flesh, is a symbol of Jesus and the church becoming one. So, very interesting thoughts. Let's hold off on on talking about that until we until we discuss another concept that's very interesting in this. So hold that for a minute. Bride. So we got to come back and say what the bride of bride of Christ and the New Jerusalem. Let's look at uh, back to uh, twenty one in uh, he in um, Revelation verse three. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, "Behold." The tabernacle of God is with men, and He will dwell with them, and they shall be His people. God Himself will be with them and be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. And this is the culmination of human history. This is it. This is, this is where the end is. And a new beginning starts. And the new beginning is with God doing what? With heaven doing what? Coming to earth. See, this is really cool, isn't it? We tend to get this heaven mythology as the end of human existence as we go to heaven. That's just a way station. The end of this real human history time period, I would argue, is heaven comes to earth. And it's not just us dwelling with God, as cool as that is. It's the unthinkable that God is dwelling with us. It's really neat. I, I don't, I don't, it gives me, I'm getting goosebumps right now just thinking about it. So cool. God comes to earth to dwell with us. He's already done it once. He just stayed for a little while. Uh, he offered us some amazing things that have changed all of the cosmos, all the history. This next time is going to be a complete fulfillment. How cool is that? Verse 5, Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. He said to me, Write, these words are true and faithful. And he said to me, It's done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. He who overcomes shall inherit all things. I will be his God. He will be my son. But the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. I take this as a kind of an encapsulation of the whole kind of message, the whole message of history. Um, the whole message of history is it ends here. This is a new beginning. I am the God of beginnings and ends. Everything starts with me, everything ends with me. I started this and I'm starting something new. And the in the spectrum here, the beginning and the end of what your opportunity is, you who are supposed to, according to Revelation, very simple, right? Do three things, which is read, understand, hear, do. Yeah, read, hear, do. That's what we're supposed to do. That's the whole point of Revelation. Very simple. Okay, You people... Here's the, here, here, here's the spectrum of what can happen to you, humanity. On the positive end, you can be an overcomer. And overcomers inherit everything. This, this is what I want you to be. I shall be to you a father. You shall be to me a son. That is a, 
ancient, uh, an ancient um, reward of inheritance for one who's been faithful in the kingdom. Or you can be live your own life, your own way, for your own passions, and that deserves lake of fire. That, that's, the, that's the end of the spectrum. Verse 9. Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls filled with the seven last plagues came to me and talked with me, saying, Come, I will show you the bride, the Lamb's wife. And he carried me away in the Spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me the great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God. Her light was a most precious stone, like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. Also, she had a great and high wall with twelve gates. You notice what he's, how he's referring to this city? She. Interesting, right? Bride. And twelve angels at the gates, and names written on them, which are the names of the twelve tribes of the children of Israel. This is as close as we get to Peter standing at the gate. Uh, he will have his name by a gate. Now, you know, Revelation is very uh, allegorical. Uh, there are lots of images, and uh, the images can very well stand for something else that's real. Uh, don't believe there's anything here that's not real, but it could be that there really is their name by the gate. It could be something else. We'll talk about that here in a second. And he who talked with me had a gold reed to measure the city, its gates, and its wall. The city is laid out as a square. Its length is as great as its breadth. He measured the city with the reed, 12,000 furlongs. Its length, breadth, and height are equal. 12,000 furlongs is about 1,500 miles. So you get this city, to just give you an idea, it's roughly Dallas to the west coast, something like that, Dallas to the, you know, northern border of Canada, so Mississippi River to the west coast, something like that, and kind of Dallas to the you know, border of Canada, something, like, something along those lines that's a 1,500-mile square, and 1,500 miles high. Now, when you see an airplane fly over, how many miles up? About five. Uh, if you see a satellite go over, if it's a low-level satellite, that might be about 500 miles. So 1,500 miles is way up there. Yeah, there's no atmosphere for most of 1,500 miles on our earth. So we're starting to get a hint about what well, this new earth's really different. <laughs> As a matter of fact, it doesn't tell us the new earth is a ball. It could be. It could be a cube. Uh, it doesn't really tell us that the new earth revolves around anything. Because it didn't tell us what the heavens were like. You know, our cosmos is a clock. It's a clock with all the gears going around. And I don't know if you're a fan of the uh, uh, Bethlehem Star, Star of Bethlehem video. But he, he does a really great job, I think, of just showing how clock-like the universe is. And we get senses of that going through Revelation that everything was, uh, you know, has its specific time. But... We, we don't really know. He doesn't tell us if it's going to be that way or not. Uh, verse 17. Then he measured the wall 144 cubits. So the wall is like 250 feet thick. According to the measure of man, that is an angel. The construction of the wall was jasper. The city was pure gold, like clear glass. So here's the gold thing, but it's not gold like we think of it. Is a gold coin clear as glass? 
It's not, is it? Okay. So there's something translucent here with a gold hue. It's interesting to think what that is. Maybe some kind of new element. Don't know. The foundations of the wall of the city were adorned with all kinds of precious stones. The first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third chalcedony, the fourth emerald, the fifth sardonyx, the sixth sardius, the seventh crystallite, the eighth barrel, the ninth topaz, the tenth chrysoprase, the eleventh jacinth, and the twelfth amethyst. Now, I, I think really there's only one reason God put that there. And that was so that geologists wouldn't be demoralized. <laughs> I don't think anybody else would care about any of that. Twenty. There, if we have time, we can talk a little bit about that too. There's some real fascinating things about that. 21, the 12 gates were 12 pearls, hence the pearly gates. Um, each one, an individual gate, was of one pearl. And the street of the city was pure gold, like transparent glass. So you're starting to get an image in your mind what this thing's like? It's probably wrong, right? Well, as you would say, it's, we can't really imagine this thing. A lot of time in elevators. <laughs> you could have cars like the Jetsons. You know, uh, scientists say that we can only, um, these days, they'll change their mind. It's kind of like eggs. You know, they're bad for you one decade and they're good for you the next decade. And that's what. Well, this, this latest uh, scientific group says that we can actually observe about 5% of the universe. 95% of it's unobservable. That's why they're doing all these particle accelerators and stuff looking for antimatter is what they call it. And they have all these ideas about wormholes and uh, particles that, you know, if you hit a particle here, some particle on the other side of the universe uh, resonates and flips around. And so it's really, even with what we know of our current universe and our current physics, it's really not, um, it's, it's really not, inconceivable at all that you could just step through a wormhole and pop up in China. You know, that, that's, that's, uh, that's something that our, our own uh, thinkers are starting to think is possible in our own universe. So, you know, it may be we don't need cars like Jetsons. I don't know. It could be also you could have an angel. You know, come, come on here, guys. Can you take me over there? Paul says something very interesting in 1 Corinthians 15. He says, when we are resurrected, we will have a spiritual body. Now, in our current world, spiritual and body are two, you know, kind of separate things, but this is a spiritual body. It's something that's both. And Jesus had, you know, some interesting thing. He said, feel my nail prints, right? And they went and felt his nail prints. Did anybody say, my hand went through, my finger went through your hand? No, they felt his nail prints, right? And he said, cook me some food. And he ate it. Did they say, ah, it plopped down on the beach? No, he, he ate it, right? And he was making a point, right? I'm, I'm not a ghost. And then he walked through a wall. Spiritual body. And it's really interesting. Verse 22, I saw no temple in it. For the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. So now let's, let's uh, just stop for a minute. We've got some amazing, cool stuff to do, so I don't want to get bogged down. But I just want to look at a couple other verses regarding temple and go back to this bride idea for a minute. Uh, Look at 3.12. 
This, we just got through reading there's no temple in it, but actually there is a temple. What is the temple? Jesus is the temple. So we, we went through this Revelation um, 2 and 3 and the overcomers. And just as a reminder, an overcomer is a conqueror. In uh, chapter 3, the last letter to the churches, so these letters are all to churches, the last letter to the churches is the church of Laodicea. And Jesus says, if you overcome, in every one of the letters he says, if you overcome, I'll give you this. And in the last one he says, if you overcome, as I overcame. So Jesus is an overcomer. So overcomer cannot mean believing in Jesus as your Savior. And I mean, that's the starting place for overcoming for us. But Jesus overcame and he overcame temptation. He overcame the temptation not to do the will of his Father and, as a re- and he learned obedience even to death on a cross. And because of that, he was lifted up, his name above every name. He's an overcomer, the very first one. And he's inviting us to go down that road. And it's a reward to be an over- overcomer. So he says in um, 3.12, he says, He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go out no more. So, if you're an overcomer, we saw just a second ago that to the overcomer will inherit all things, he says, in the new earth. And this is even in the new earth he's talking about. And then uh, the, the other end of this is if you're uh, immoral, etc., you have the lake of fire waiting for you. So he, he has this, he has this uh, dichotomy here. And here he's saying, if you overcome, I'll make you a pillar in the temple of my God. But he said there's no more temple. There's just Jesus is the temple. So let's look at um, 7.15. In 7.15, he says, Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve Him day and night in His temple. And he who sits on the throne will dwell among them. So what's going on? Well, if we look at this uh, word temple and the way it's used in, in the earlier in the Scripture, it's very interesting. Look at John 2.20, if you would. John 2.20. And I think this is starting to give us a clue of what's going on with there's no temple, the temple's Jesus. We're a pillar in the temple and we'll serve in the throne in the temple. What's going on? John 2 Chapter uh, 2, verse 20. Well, let's start with 18. So the Jews answered and said to him, What sign do you show us since you do these things? Jesus answered and said to them, Destroy this temple and in three days I'll raise it up. The Jews says, It's taken 46 years to build this temple and you'll raise it up in three days? But he was speaking of the temple, of his body. I I think this is a clue. As Jesus is standing there right in this Solomonic temple, and He says, destroy this temple and I'll build it back in three days. And this guy said, this took 46 years to build. This Herod the Great built this. You're a carp. You mean, you're a stone guy, but you're going to build this in 43 days? He was talking about his body. Let's also look at um, Acts 7, verse 48. Acts 7, verse 48, However, the Most High does not dwell in temples with, made with hands. 
As the prophet says, heaven is my throne, my earth is my footstool. What house will you build for me? Of course, the new Jerusalem not necessarily built with hands. So, And then let's look at one, uh, two other things. Uh, let's look at 1 Corinthians 3, 16. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 16. Do you not know you're the temple of God and the Spirit of God dwells in you? If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him for the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. Very chastising verse. (laughs) So we are the temple of God. Let's look at Ephesians 2. Verse 21. We'll start with 19. Now therefore you're no longer strangers and foreigners, but Ephesians 2, 19. Now therefore you're no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. That sound familiar? Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. So, you know, as, I, as I've emphasized throughout this prophetic series, um, the big point's real clear. The minor points, uh, we need to hold with a hope in hand, have models, seek understanding, but uh, there's more we don't know than what we do know. But the picture I began to get from this of there's a, a no temple, there's just Jesus, but we're a pillar in the temple. The throne is in the temple. Jesus is the temple. And he said that standing in the temple. And then you have the building with foundations and it's us. Somehow, it seems to me like there's some mysterious union between buildings and people here. Um, somehow, maybe Peter really is at one of the pearly gates, but maybe he's actually part of the gate. Uh, you know, how, I, I don't even know how this would work. You know, it's a really fascinating picture, don't you think? Uh, have you ever noticed that God is kind of paradoxical? Well, no, I haven't. He's totally paradoxical, not kind of paradoxical. And we get these somewhat paradoxical images, so. To what extent is this spiritual and what percent of is it physical when it's both somehow is going to be a brand new experience for us. I think we're getting a clue somehow, but this is going to be a new deal, right? He said it's new and he's given us some ideas, but somehow it seems that physical bodies and union with us is going to go together. This teaching will continue in the following episode. Thanks for listening to the Yellow Balloons podcast. If you want more information on adopting a God-centered perspective, visit our website at yellowbloons.net. And if you have any questions related to what you just heard, we would love to hear from you. Please email us at contact at yellowbloons.net. Thanks for listening.